There's incredible personal freedom in truth, yet we spend so much of our lives showing up the way we think we should. The ways that will make our parents happy, our colleagues respect us, society at large accept us, and of course, the ways that will make us look good on Instagram and social media. In My Truth is the antidote to the shoulds. Be a fly on the wall as my guests and I dive into the untruths we're currently living with and work through them together in real time. I'm Sarah Regalhuth, your host, and as I recently updated my Instagram bio to read, I'm not one thing, but many. Professionally, I run Grow My Team. I'm one of the co-founders of the League of Extraordinary Women, but personally, I'm a lot more than that. Last year, I moved through a breakdown. I also moved through a breakup. I also changed my entire career professionally, sold my company, ended 17 years in financial planning, a lot of change. During this period, I had a strong calling to share what was going on for me, to share it publicly on my blog, on my social media. I don't know why, but I really felt that it was important to open up these conversations and share with people what was really happening behind the scenes of my life. This sharing resulted in a lot of people reaching out to me to have deep conversations, and I started imagining what would it look like if other people could listen in on these conversations? What healing could come from that? I knew that I was healing, I knew the people I was having conversations with were healing, and I really felt that if other people could listen to these conversations, to what was happening in real time as we worked through things, that healing would come for many. And so on a drive from Vancouver to Colorado, a pilgrimage, I would say, where I was moving my life back to the state that has called my heart since the first moment I ever set foot in there, this podcast, In My Truth, was born. It feels healing and growing for me. I believe it's healing and growing for my guests, and I feel that there will be healing and growing for you, my listeners. So let's dive in. Welcome, loves, to this episode of In My Truth. I have my good friend, Sarah Howitt, with me today. Sarah and I met through the Fit for Service program. Many of my past guests have been through our friends through the Fit for Service program. And uh, when did we meet, Sarah? It was in Minnesota? Yeah, I think it was in Minnesota back in March. Yeah. Yeah, that's when we met in person anyway. So um, we were together again recently at a plant medicine ceremony, but we ironically met the first time at a plant medicine ceremony as well, which is pretty cool. Um, So yeah, earlier in the year we met um, for the first time in person and hit it off. We actually eye-gazed together at that at that retreat. And I remember that was a really profound experience, but um, it's super awesome to have you on the show. I'm excited to talk about um, our recent uh, journey with grandmother Ayahuasca and um, love to like hear all about that. But before we go there, just tell us a little bit about who you are and what you're all about. Sure. Um, so that's a, that's always an interesting question because I feel like it's such a work in progress all the time. Um, but yeah, I'm Sarah. I live in Colorado currently, um, and really started this journey of, um, let's call it awakening, um, back in two, I mean, really it's been a lifelong process, but back in 2017 and, um, sometimes it feels slow. Sometimes it feels fast. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, this year at fit for service has really been, um, such a jumping off point for growth and, movement, you know, exponential, exponential movement in so many different ways. Um, and as far as what I do, that's also a work in progress. Um, I used to own a small craft brewery in Denver and, um, 
after my divorce, sold that back to my ex-husband. And now I'm really kind of figuring out what's next. I, tr- I was trying to start a travel app, um, but obviously with COVID, I mean, we were going right into the fundraising process right when COVID hit. And um, so that's been on the back burner since we don't know what the travel industry is going to look like ever, maybe again. Um, and so I've been moving more into this healer path, which is something that I pursued in grad school, went to, went to grad school for counseling, ended up dropping out right before graduation because of the brewery. And now I'm kind of circling back to that as a helper. I just finished a coaching program um, called Being True to You, which is uh, for psychedelic integration and, and addictions coaching. And so really pursuing that path um, with all I've got right now. So that's where mm. I'm at. That's so amazing. Um, I think this like need for integration coaches and having not only the experience with whatever plant medicine or even, um, you know, there are obviously other forms of medicine we can use in ceremony as well, but using, having, sorry, working with someone who can help us integrate and even prepare for the journey, I think. And this, it, it doesn't even have to be, a psychedelic ceremony, even breath work sometimes, or even just moving through something, you know, Joe, my partner and I always say life is ceremony. Like we can find ourselves in the middle of something at any moment. And I don't think we have enough of an appreciation in our society or enough tools to integrate either ceremonial work or big experiences, um, big shifts, big changes. And I think many people that are listening, I'm sure can relate to that feeling when something big in our lives changes and it's like your whole system has to adjust to that. So I commend you doing that work. I'm so excited for you. Yeah. Thank you so much. I mean, it's really even like, and they, the coaching program I went through even talks a lot about like worldwide travel, you know, when you go on a big, um, a big trip world, you know, really anywhere, but most of the time we think of it, we go to someplace more exotic, someplace we've never been before where we don't speak the language or whatever. Um, Oftentimes we come back from those experiences, not knowing how to integrate all of the wisdom and beauty that we've Mm. encountered, you know? And so a lot of times I've felt coming back to kind of your day-to-day life, I've felt a little bit at a loss to how to integrate those lessons. So even something as, I mean, it's not really mundane these days, but something as mundane as maybe just taking a trip and how to integrate that. You know? Oh, I'm literally vibrating as you say that. And I think it's so true. I don't know if you guys say it here in the US, but I remember in Australia, we call it culture shock. I don't know, probably say that here, but mm-hmm. I remember my first trip to Thailand and I'd been in Europe, but Europe is, you know, there's a lot of similarities with Australian lifestyle in terms of, you know, the general conveniences and comforts and all of that. Um, and the way things look, I suppose, like things are older, but what I'm getting at is I went to Thailand and saw extreme levels of poverty that I hadn't experienced before in my life and also stayed in places and visited places that had different standards of, you know, hygiene, convenience, cleanliness, whatever it might be. And it was really confronting for me the first time. I mean, I was 19 years old. It's been a long time and I haven't thought about that memory for very long, but for a very long time. But hearing you say that, I'm like, damn, that is so true. And even when I did my Europe trip, and came back to Australia, I was away for six months and it was huge for me to integrate. And I felt like I didn't fit in and I didn't belong and nobody understood me. And I ended up moving and, you know, so sparked the trajectory of my life. But 
I think that's such a fantastic reminder that like even things that we strive for, we look forward to, we want to do and participate in, they can shift us and our very being and not having a way to integrate those ex- those experiences can leave us feeling isolated or alone or different, which is really challenging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. All right. Well, speaking of integration and all of that, how is your integration going? And also I want to hear all about whatever you'd like to share about your ceremony and your experience. Was it your first experience with ayahuasca? Remind me. Yeah, that was my first experience. I was actually scheduled to go down to Soltara in Costa Rica um, right. right around the same time. And that got rescheduled to next year because of everything with COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, the the timing worked out perfectly as it always does. <laughs> um, yeah. So where to begin with that? I mean, integration <laughs> is going really well, I guess to start at the beginning. Um, I have felt now for a number of months that, so I've been seeking my next track, my next path in life. And I've been doing a lot of work around healing, um, you know, wounds around betrayal, around rejection. Um, those seem to be my main two wounds uh, from childhood. And just been doing a lot of work around those, a lot of ceremony around um, relationships with men, relationships with my father, um, and just d- really diving deep there. But I knew that there was some work that still needed to be done around that. Um, and again, it, there seems to always be, and that's I'm okay with that. <laughs> the layers, the layers yes, of layers. Back the layers. <laughs> I, so for the leading up to the ceremony, I, there's, there were a couple things that took place as I was kind of forming my intention, um, leading up to ceremony. And the first one was, I haven't spoken to my dad since December. We had a blow up. We've had a, a tumultuous relationship since I was in my early teens, And, um, I won't, I'll spare all the details, but, uh, suffice to say that we had this, this blow up and I haven't spoken to him since. And I knew that a big part of healing was healing that relationship to the best of my ability, but I wasn't sure how to set appropriate boundaries within the relationship and still heal it. I didn't know how those things would fit together. So I've been reading this book called the Sophia code. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of it. <laughs> I'm sure I you- literally just ordered it because I kept hearing it pop up. And, you know, when you hear things three or four times, you're like, all right, I'm being called yeah. to this. So yeah, I haven't, it hasn't arrived yet, but I'm excited. So please tell, tell us all about it. Yeah. So it's basically um, a channeled uh, text um, from a woman that channels these different goddesses. And as you're reading through this book, there are these initiations that kind of bring them to life, um, to mentor with you in specific areas of your life. So sovereignty is one of them. Um, fulfilling your purpose is one of them, things like that. So I read the Kuan Yin chapter uh, about the week before ceremony. And I, there were so many synchronicities with that chapter. I, um, I have felt often in the past six months that one of my gifts is taking in these painful experiences, holding them um, with grace, and then transmuting them to love. And I've, I've had some downloads around that in ceremonies. And one of the things that is spoken about in that chapter is exactly that, how she 
Um, as a goddess, she is the goddess of compassion and of forgiveness. But her her backstory is just wrought with pain and trauma and abuse and betrayal. And it's all about her story of transmuting those experiences into love and compassion. And so I read that chapter the week before ceremony and just broke down in tears because it was so, it was so on point with where I'm at in my life and in my relationship with my father. And then I also had an Akashic Records reading with a woman. um, And she, I asked her about that relationship with my father. And she said, um, you are here to teach your father how to find deep compassion for others. And he is here to teach you how to meet people where they are. Mm, and I that's beautiful. floored by that. It was so, <laughs> and so going into ceremony, my intention, um, there was, it was two night ceremony. And for the first night, my intention was to release any residual bitterness, resentment, or contempt around my father and around relationships with men, because it starts with my relationship with my dad, but then it plays out in all these other relationships. Uh, And then night two, my intention was to have a greater understanding of what my gifts were or are as a healer and as a helper and what I'm here to do in this life. Um, The first night, I don't know how deep you want me to go, but I can keep going. Go for it. Go for it, please. The first night was really um, difficult. It was... The only way I can experience or explain it is that it felt like I was in hell. I could not remember what anything good felt like. I couldn't remember what joy felt like, what happiness felt like. Um, and I was, I went through five different stages of my anger. Um, the first one starting with kind of the purity of anger as it relates to injustice in the world and how that is a beautiful thing and a good thing to feel angry about injustice. Um, and then it kind of walked, the medicine walked me through, um, but four other stages, the second one being just this, like had nothing to do with anger, but it was kind of just this, like this state of worship where I stood up on my mat and was just dancing to the Icaros and just feeling in the beauty of that. Um, the third stage was this kind of warrior energy that took over where, um, in ayahuasca there's, it's called the purge (laughs) for those who don't know. Um, and you do, you do purge and, the third stage of this kind of walk through my anger, um, I had to purge and I really didn't want to. So I was, I was arguing with the medicine. I don't want to, I don't want to. And she said to me, you came here to be different and you have a choice. You can hold on to your anger and you can stay the same or you can purge and release that anger and be different like you asked for. And so I chose the latter and when I purged, I immediately felt this rage come over me. Like I was gritting my teeth and like thinking, you know, F you. And like, just, I was so mad that I, that I had to go through that. Um, but then it kind of subsided and then it, it happened again. I had to purge again. And this time I'm like begging with the medicine. I don't want to do this again. I can't do this again. And it was in the middle of this, it was right in the moment where the Icaros um, subsided, the song subsided, and it was dead quiet. And I'm begging the medicine, like, please don't make me do this again, especially right now. And she said to me, anger is such an ugly thing. And you need to be seen in the silence, 
in the midst of everybody else for this ugliness and still know that you're loved. And so I was begging with her and begging with her and finally made the choice to just let it go. And at that point, I'm just like weeping because I, I was just, I, I mean, I felt like I'd walked through hell. I was so tired. I couldn't hold myself up anymore. Um, and I just started crying and like waving the proverbial white flag, you know, <laughs> like I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Um, and then the last time I felt like I had to purge again. And I was, this time I was kind of like, are we, are you kidding me? Like we have to do this again. And she said, yep. And so, um, when I finally said, okay, I'll, I'll do it again. At that moment, I didn't have to purge anymore. And the lesson there was good. I just wanted to make sure you do it again if you had to. And, um, at that point I was released from the, the suffering and was able to enjoy the rest of the ceremony. And that was basically right at the end. I mean, it was five hours of just sitting in this discomfort and pain and it was very difficult. <laughs> Maybe the most, mm -hmm. um, ceremony that I've ever had because it was so physical. I'm okay with like scary images or whatever, but this was so physical that it was, it was hard. Um, and then night two was the exact opposite. It was heaven. And, um, there was a situation that took place where someone in the room was having a difficult situation. And I could feel the way that that energy was affecting everyone in the room. And, uh, I was able to sit in that and not be affected, but also recognize that it was, um, dark and it was difficult. And the lesson throughout this entire second night for me was these are your gifts starting with you are able to hold these moments for, for others and for yourself. And then from that foundation, I was shown my other gifts as a healer, um, throughout the rest of the night while sitting in this beautiful heavenly kind of DMT, you know, realm for five hours and just loving every minute of it, despite kind of the, the chaos that was unfolding around me. And, um, yeah, it was, it was a stark contrast to the night before. And as far as, you know, the integration after those nights, um, I'm still, I have my homework. Um, and the first, my first piece of homework is to write my dad a letter and to try to repair that relationship. Um, and then stepping into my role as a healer in whatever way that looks like. And I've already started to take steps there, but in general, I just feel so free of, I feel free of the burden of anger for sure. Um, and when it comes up, when that judgment comes up or that resentment, I catch it right away. Whereas in the past, that voice would pop up and I wouldn't catch it and it would kind of start, you know, run amok because just keep going. And um, now it's like very present in my mind and I'm able to address it with love and, you know, um, fold it back into myself with love rather than push it away or ignore it or let it take over anything like that. Mm that's where I'm at so far. <laughs> it's still, oh, that's still so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> so beautiful. Thank you for sharing in so much detail. Um, mm -hmm. one thing I wanted to ask, you mentioned your homework. 
Um, is that just for the benefit of listeners? Because I think I also want to honor and just show appreciation for how you described what it does feel like to be in conversation with grandmother ayahuasca. And for those who haven't done it, it really does. I mean, I've had ceremonies where it's less, but I've had ceremonies where it's very, very much, but it really does feel like um, to me, you're with a loving feminine spirit or energy and you're having a conversation often, um, sometimes energetically, sometimes with words, sometimes visually. Um, but you really described that well. And I was curious, was the homework something you came up with yourself afterwards or was that a conversation that you had and you were sort of guided to do these two pieces of homework, the letter to your father and um, stepping into the healer in you? It was not explicitly um, stated, but I do know from other ceremony that when we come, when we come out of these experiences, if they're, if we're not taking something away, it's not always an action that's so specific like that, mm -hmm. but um, those were just the first, the really the main two. And there's a few others that I don't have in front of me as well, but those were just the main two that I know in order to close the loop of these um, lessons that those two things have to be done. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. I was just curious because sometimes you know, you really can get very conversational and very specific and receive like quite, you know, specific instructions. But I also really honor what you were saying that after any form of ceremony, like if we sit with ourselves and spend that time, we can find the actions and the way forward, the steps um, that have come from the whole experience, the experience of preparing, the intention we set, the experience we had. Oftentimes, you know, our intentions in my experience have been met in different ways than what I thought they would be. So there's that whole piece of unpacking, well, this was my intention and this is what I experienced in ceremony. And I can't quite connect the dots on that, but it, and it might take a moment, but then all of a sudden, you know, it can become clear like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Other times you get your intention, you just like, it was so like, it was in you all along or it was so simple. I remember my final, I think it was my final ceremony, second time in Saltara. And I have shared this on the show before, so I'll be very fast. But I had done a lot of work around my relationship with my father, with men, my relationship with myself, my relationship with being in relationship and sex. So all of it was kind of wrapped up. That was what I was working on in Saltara in January. And it was huge for me. And on, on the third night, it was either the second or third night, I had a, quite a big ceremony where I like shed some layers and all of this stuff. And as I said, I have discussed it before on this podcast. But the second, the night following, I was like, all right, I'm ready to meet my divine inner goddess. And I had all these ideas that I was going to be at the feet of this gold dripping being with like diamonds sparkling and light and, you know, trying, telling myself I wasn't going in with expectations, but I definitely was. And I had what was a very physically uncomfortable ceremony. I would say more like agitated. Um, than not quite what you described, um, but more like an agitated state. There wasn't a lot of visuals. And then all of a sudden <laughs> I opened my eyes and I saw this kind of bright white light out of one side and deep dark shadow the other side. And it was a flicker and an instant, but I got the message, that's your inner goddess. And that was it. That was the whole ceremony, but it was, it was essentially all of you, your light and your shadow is mm -hmm. your goddess. And you to love yourself fully, you need to love all of it. And it was just, I mean, it was very, 
metaphorical, like literally, or is it metaphorical? Anyway, it was literal. It was very literal. A shadow and a light is what I saw. And it was showing me these parts of my entire being that is my divine inner goddess. So sometimes, uh, yeah, our intentions come mm. through, but they come through having, that, trying to release expectations is important because it never seems to be what you might think it will be. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I, it's funny, I've been really thinking about this idea of like how we all experience these ceremonies, like, because some people have very visual journeys. Mine are not, they're visual, but I don't, recall a lot of the details. So I'll see a lot of things that I can't even put a finger on later. And I, I feel like I have an inner di- I have this dialogue with the medicine. That's not necessarily like an, it's not an auditory hallucination, but I'm just, it's in my mind, you know? And I've been thinking a lot about the way that we each process these ceremonies. And I feel like the medicine always, always gives us the lesson in the way that we best like to learn. So like for, Mm. I love puzzles. It's one of my strengths in business. I love peace. I'm like a whole picture thinker. So I love putting pieces together and medicine journeys are almost always like puzzles for me. Like I have to connect the dots, but that's the way I love to work. So the way that these journeys play out is they're not always very specific or clear, but that's also the way that I love, I love working with things. So I feel like it, it gives me exactly what, not only what I want, maybe in not the way that I expect, but it's always like in this kind of fun, like it sparks my curiosity and it keeps me on my toes, you know? Mm, I love that. I've never thought of it like that. I need to have a bit of a think about how, because I do agree with you. It makes a lot of sense as well. I need to have a think about how this, how this all plays out for me. That's cool. Um, Something I think that I picked up on, and I think it might be interesting for people because it's, it's interesting for me if I think back to who I was prior to working with plant medicine. You talked about the first night essentially being hell, you know, and I think that's one of the biggest fears that people have when working with psychedelics or um, these kind of ceremonies, medicines, whatever you want to call it, is this fear of like, I'm I'm not going to be able to cope. It's going to be hell. It's going to be so terrible. And I was terrified of that. That's exactly what I felt like. I just didn't want to have this awful experience. And it's interesting because one of the things that I've, the the muscle, I guess, or the resilience I've built in myself through working with ayahuasca is that it, we, we can move through everything and anything. And even these experiences that are incredibly challenging. And I've had some incredibly challenging ceremonies. My last ceremony that, that we were in together was really difficult as well. Um, and it's, it's interesting because I look at it now and whilst I still sit down ready to drink with a lot of apprehension, um, it's a different kind of apprehension. And I just wondered if you had any words for people on that. Sure. So the first thing that came to mind is, um, values. And the reason why that came to mind is because if you know what your values are, you can rely on those in ceremony. And just to give an example of that, I've always held about, like, I love challenge. I take, I, I almost enjoy it. I, lo- I don't look forward to being in it, but I look forward to who I'm going to be on the other end. And so, I mean, a good example is I had a, I had a child when I was 16 
And I specifically chose not to have an epidural or any pain medication because I wanted to experience it fully. And that sounds totally crazy to a lot of people. And it was 16 hours that sucked. (laughs) But when I was done, I knew that I could take on any amount of physical pain, emotional pain, psychological pain, whatever. And it made me better because of that. And so I approach ceremony like that, but it's because I know that I value challenge. And so if you can pick five things, five words, um, my, my values and they, you know, they shift throughout your life, but my values right now are, see if I can remember all five challenge, curiosity, candor, service, I can't remember the fifth one, but those are my, those are my values. And um, so if you can know what your values are going into ceremony, then you can use those as your foundation um, Mm. ceremony. And that's, that's I love that. That That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense to me. And I know in business, I always say like, I often perform my best when my back's against the wall and I love a good challenge and I can totally resonate with the whole you know, what, what, what challenges us, what's really difficult is what makes us stronger and builds our resilience and all of that. The words that come to mind for me and that have helped me in a lot of this work is the only way out is through. Um, and whether that's plant medicine or whether that's just dealing with grief or something that I'm moving through, it's like, I know I'm going to get to the other side, but the only way out and the only way to the other side is through. It's not escaping, diverting, numbing, distracting. It's like head on, let's go for it. And that doesn't mean, I mean, for those who have been listening to this podcast for a long time, you know that I did my fair share of self-sabotage and numbing and distracting and escaping for sure. Um, But I'm definitely more practiced now and more comfortable and more familiar with the process of just like, all right, this is what's happening. This is what's coming up for me. I just got to look at it head on and, and dive in and know and trust that I'll come out the other side of that storm. Absolutely. I think people too, they, you know, a lot of times we think that we can, (laughs) if we don't look at it or pay attention to it, or if we ignore it or shove it aside, that it's just going to go away. And that's not the way that the universe works. If there's a lesson to know, you can either choose to take that lesson on when it's presented to you, or you can ignore it and have it forced on you later. And a lot of times it's a lot more painful to have it forced on you later than to choose it and rely on the people around you and rely on your own inner power to take it on. Yeah, totally agree. And that's why this work is so important and why, and and I'm just so grateful for these traditional medicines and these shamans and people who work with the medicine that we get to experience. And, you know, I really say that anyone who works with ayahuasca is a warrior. Like it is absolute warrior's work and it is not easy, but it's, you know, the only way out is through and we are freeing ourselves of so many things that are currently holding us back and, you know, stopping us from being in our full potential. You shared that you purged and released all of that anger and you literally feel different now. You're not holding anger in the same way that you were before. Now, the only way to get there was to go through. It wasn't easy. It was very, very difficult. As you said, maybe one of the most difficult experiences of your life but forevermore, I have no doubt because of my own experience working with ayahuasca, you know, you'll never hold anger in the same way that you did before. And that is just such a gift and so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm so grateful for the experience. It was, it was very difficult, but I, 
I mean, it, I was given a choice. That was the other beautiful part is the medicine gave me a choice. I didn't have to let it go. Mm-hmm. Dr. Dan Engel has a really great quote. Um, Life is our teacher. Love is our blueprint. Choice is our power. Mm. Amen. Amen. Well, my second ceremony, which we did two ceremony when we were together, but my second ceremony, which is my 10th in just over 18 months working with ayahuasca was, and I'm not going to go into detail now because I'm actually going to do a podcast on it in the future where I'll go into full detail. But I went through a very similar thing where I was like in that, um, that challenge with, you know, being challenged to let go of something and to accept something. And I debated and wrangled and held and didn't want to. And it was, and I was in, I was in agony physically. I was, I was uncomfortable. I was agitated, but I was also, I felt really sick, um, very nauseous. It was, the whole ceremony was like that. And it wasn't until I finally conceded that it all passed. And I, like I said, I'm not. I'm sorry, everyone. I am going to share it later, but it's um, it's worth saving. But um, I can totally relate to that. And it was just such a profound experience to actually get to that point where I was finally like, okay. And then the weight of everything sort of started to lift, and my ceremony from that point on became quite expansive and quite beautiful. But oh man, that was by far the most difficult ceremony I've had, and. I wanted to purge. It wasn't a purging thing the way that yours was, where it was like, let it out. This was more something I actually had to accept. But I physically wanted to purge because I felt so, um, you know, and I've never ever purged through through vomiting in 10 ceremonies. I just never have, um, which is fascinating. I, I do sometimes laugh, cry, yawn, shake. I know there's other purging going on, but I think it's my last three or four, I've felt quite nauseous and I've been like, I want to purge. Just like, can I just get this out? But it doesn't, it doesn't happen for me. So I don't know. I don't know what that is. (laughs) Who is the only person on earth going, I want to purge in ayahuasca. It's like the one thing that most people are so afraid of. Whereas I'm like, damn, like I love working with this medicine, but it makes me feel so sick. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's something in that. Maybe I, maybe there's something needs to come out of me. I don't know. Um, can you talk a little bit about intention setting? I think for, I know I've been talking with a friend recently who's considering doing some of this work, but is completely new to it. And one of his questions to me was like, what do you mean by setting an intention? And uh, I think it will be useful for people because sometimes when we're so familiar with this language and this um, way of being or whatever lifestyle we're choosing to live, we forget that people don't know. But given your, you know, you've studied all this stuff now, I'd love to hear you talk to the whole intention piece and how you go about and went about coming up with your intention this time around? Sure. So I, I intention can really be, it's on a spectrum for sure. The first time that I ever did mushrooms was in 2017. And I, it wasn't presented to me as a ceremony with the people that I did mushrooms with, but I, because of the way that I am, the way that I'm built, very much approached it as a ceremony in the sense that I was there to learn something about myself. So I, I mean, I had fun. I giggled, you know, we had the psychedelic experience, you know, the walls were melting or whatever, but I was also in, in my chair, just observing myself as the witness and learning about myself throughout the whole night. And that's simply, I mean, again, going back to values, one of my values being curiosity. So going into 
these ceremonies with a sense of curiosity, even if there's not a specific intention, can be an intention. And then on the other side of the spectrum, getting as specific as possible. And some people will say, especially with a medicine like ayahuasca, that the more specific you can get, the more you're going to get out of the experience. And for me, I'm, I'm such a believer in perfect divine timing that these opportunities present themselves exactly when they need to be presented and exactly, you know, if you feel called to it, it's for a reason. And so in setting intention, my advice would be to list, you know, go within and listen to what is present for you right then. And it could be something that stems to your relationship with your father or whatever, which is, you know, obviously in the past, but if it's affecting your life in the present, then it needs to be addressed. And so um, that would be my advice is to, to really listen to what is present for you now um, and get curious with it. Ask questions. Um, I always find that if I can journal, if you can set a question up for yourself in a journal and then just free, free flow, flow thought, answer that question for yourself, you'll come to your answer. It's mm, amazing. I agree with that. And I think the advice to keep it simple is somewhat good, but also just trusting the process. I remember my my first ever ceremony, I think my first ever two actually at Saltara back in May last year when I was coming out of a breakdown and really struggling and, you know, sort of, I wouldn't call it suicidal, but I was certainly at that point where I just didn't know how to keep living. And I went in the first two ceremonies with like, just fix it all. Like it was so hard for me to pinpoint an intention because I felt so broken and so filled with shame and anger and grief and like everything that you can imagine was inside of me just trying to uh, make sense of itself. Um, So that was difficult. And it wasn't until the third ceremony where I'd sort of nailed it down to show me the path to forgiveness. Because what I realized over the days was that my biggest challenge was just being totally unable to let go of the past and of things that I had done to others, things that had been done to me. And I'm using air quotes saying that because obviously nobody's really ever doing anything to anyone, but I couldn't quite, you know, I knew these things conceptually. I'd read all the spiritual books. My higher self wanted to be able to let go of these things, but it didn't change the way that I was feeling. And I had the most profound divine blissful heaven ceremony that night where it just showed me the true nature of everything. And once again, I've talked about it before on the show, but it was really incredible. So I did find the benefit of that simple intention. However, the entire thing was perfect and it all went down exactly as it was meant to be. And I had to go through those first two days with very messy intentions and really kind of just struggling a lot of it I think didn't matter too much anyway because I was resisting the medicine a lot because I was so scared and and just didn't know what to expect or what was going to happen. Um, but it was all coming out during the days in my journal and in my process. And I think that's something cool as well for people is working with these medicines. They, they There's an element of trust that they're working with you and on you and for you irrespective of the experience because we hear about all these people's different types of experiences and you know we don't know how it's going to show up for us like i said i've never purged in my life but that's one of the main things you hear about ayahuasca is that you're going to throw up and i never have so 
you know, it's it's always a little bit different and every ceremony for me has been different. That's just how, how these things seem to go. Mm-hmm. I think along the lines of trust too, I've really been contemplating the concept of trusting the medicine. And I realized um, a couple months ago in a ceremony that we say trust the medicine, but really what we should be saying is trust yourself. Oh, mic drop. (laughs) That's so good. It's so true. I mean, these medicines are a tool, but we have access to this level of consciousness. That's why people, you know, there's people that dedicate their whole lives to meditation and enlightenment. Um, So as far as trusting the medicine, I mean, trusting that you have everything, you have all the answers already inside of you. And the medicine is just a tool that's being used to unlock potential inside of you. So that's really been something that I've been playing with a ton lately is trusting myself, trusting myself that I have the right answer for my intention setting, trusting myself that I know, even if I don't remember, I hardly remember any part of night two of ayahuasca. I hardly remember any of the specifics, but I do trust that when the time is right, when it's meant to be unlocked, it will be unlocked again. Mm. And I believe that's part of me. Absolutely true because we make sense of these things as we continue to live the experience of life. Um, Just as we make sense of experiences, dreams, conversations, books, sometimes many months, many years down the Mm -hmm. track because all of a sudden we've just had another experience that now gives us a broader understanding or an ability to see something from a different angle. I mean, Mm -hmm. this this life really is just constant learning, constant opening, constant growing. I love that your value is, one of your values is curiosity. And I completely relate to that. I think staying curious is, you know, one of my, it's not one of my values, but it certainly feels like it is. Maybe I'll add it. (laughs) Um, But it's definitely one of those things that I think keeps me engaged with this life experience is like there's endless things to be curious about within myself alone, let alone with everyone else in my life, let alone with nature, just everything essentially. There's just so much that we can sit and ponder about and wonder and learn and grow. And it's actually fascinating. Mm-hmm. And it's fun. It's so it is fun. <laughs> It's so fun. I love, I just love all this inner work. And it was difficult for me in the beginning when I started going on this journey. But now I'm so grateful to myself for answering the call. And I'm so grateful to now be at the side of the experience where even the difficult emotions, the difficult days are like at least met with some level of like curiosity and certainly in knowing that, yeah, I'm going to come out the other side of this and I'm going to have more experiences of life to apply to everything that happens going forward. So mm. amazing. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. Thank Is there you. anything else that feels... Actually, I would like to know one other thing before we wrap up. Um, how are you feeling about your dad now? And where are you at with that? I'm feeling hopeful. I have not written the letter yet. I haven't had that really the space in my day-to-day life to sit with that and, and give it the attention that it deserves. But I am hopeful and I have um, some kind of ideas in mind um, in terms of healing um, myself and healing and helping him maybe, I hope, to heal in other ways um, apart from our relationship. So it's just been unfolding as it, you know, in perfect time as it's meant to. I'm planning to write that letter in the next week or so. 
and then uh, we'll go from there. But yeah, I think hopeful is probably the word that sums it up best. Oh, that's so beautiful. And I think these things do happen when they're ready to happen. And that that's a process as well. You know, sometimes, especially if we're high achievers and we like to solve problems and things, it's like, we want to just get it done and do it. But I think it's really important actually to just wait until we're really ready to write the letter or have the conversation or do the thing. And if we can honor ourselves in arriving at that moment where we really are ready, that's when the power to change, to let go, to process truly occurs. So... Well, I wish you so much luck with that. And, you you know, I know that it's going to be exactly as it's meant to be and it's going to be beautiful. And either way, you're doing the work to free yourself and heal yourself, which is all we can ever do. Mm -hmm. It always starts with us. Mm -hmm. And it's fucking amazing how much the world around us changes when we start to shift and grow ourselves. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, Seth. It's been just an amazing conversation and really beautiful to hear your experiences of, of heaven and of hell. And, you know, just thank you for sharing so much of your knowledge as well. I appreciate going into some of those more specific questions. I think you're one of the perfect people to ask it because not only have you lived it, but you've also you know, committed some time to studying it as well. So that's beautiful. Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. It's awesome. And we will include in the show notes um, links to where people can find you if they might want to work with you, whatever it might be. I'll get you to send that across to me so we can have that there for everyone. Thank you. Sounds great. Thanks, Sarah.